0: Greetings, my friends and fellow sojourners on this road of life. Welcome to the Wayfarer podcast. I'm Tom Vanderwell. Hope that you are enjoying the journey wherever it finds you. Welcome back. We're um, in the changing of the seasons here. Winter is coming, as the Game of Thrones fans would say. Uh, Big downturn in the weather this week and first snowfall a couple of mornings this morning woke up and there was snow on all of the patio furniture. Got to get that in this week and you can just feel it in the air. You can just feel the chill coming. Summer is gone. Winter is on the way and you just feel that change. Daylight savings time. Got an extra hour of sleep last night, which was awesome. So what's going on? We uh, I'm preparing for a message next Sunday in the auditorium at Third Church and the text is in First Peter, humble yourself therefore under the hand of God and at due time he will lift you up. So I've been thinking a lot and about time and just contemplating a lot about time. So here's the question, haven't you ever had an experience in which you just knew the timing of something was, was right? for the moment or maybe wasn't right for the moment. And you knew that that either the timing was off or the timing was just perfect for the things that came together. Maybe there were circumstances that came together for you. Uh, have you ever pressed to make something happen in life and said, I want this to happen and I want it to happen now. And then you realize later that you should have never forced the situation, and it only led to heartbreak and tragedy of some kind. Yeah. You know, time is an, is a fascinating concept. There's a great movie, an uh, old movie, called Sliding Doors with Gwyneth Paltrow, kind of a small sleeper film. Not a lot of people remember it, but it was fascinating because the storyline is basically a woman gets up and is headed towards uh, getting on the commuter train and... And the movie kind of goes splits at that point, and one half of the movie goes to if she makes the train, this is what would have happened in her life. If she missed the train, then the other half of the movie goes, this is what would have happened. And it just brings you back to that those little moments in time, the what ifs, and the realization, you know, there is a timing of things. And I've I've always kind of You know, felt that even in my own journey and that there I've had times where things have happened and I just knew that um, it was in the flow, could just feel it in the flow of the spirit and all was good. I had other experiences where I tried to push things and it just wasn't right. So a couple big picture thoughts on time in the podcast today. Of course, the the classic text about time for me and about seasons is in the book of Ecclesiastes. The teacher says there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. There's a time to be born and a time to die. There's a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Man, there's a lot there, isn't there? Yeah, so a couple of big picture things. I have to realize that time is a construct of creation, that Eternity is timeless, and so time is this. It's a part of creation. It's a part of uh, of what has been made and what the Creator has made. And in eternity, that there isn't time. It's, it's eternal. No beginning. No end. What implications can that have? Well, uh, I remember talking to my friend uh, who's. A good, staunch, faithful member of the Catholic Church. And one of the things that I know about Catholic practice is that they often will pray for those who have deceased. And I questioned him on that. I said, you know, as a, as a good Protestant kid that's never been raised Catholic, I don't get it. And he said to me, well, he said, there's no time in eternity. And God is in all times at once. So if I pray for somebody who went before, why can't the God who is omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent take my prayer from today and apply it back in the moment because he exists in all moments at all times? And I went, wow. Okay, stretching my thoughts a little bit there. Had never really thought about that. Um, and okay. And that's one of the things as you get into thinking about time and you start learning about physics and how God created this whole universe, there's so much mystery in it. And we have to begin to really poke into that because it has an implication. For not only our earthly lives, as far as the timing of events, and, but also uh, understanding who we really are. So in Colossians 3 3, it says that our lives are hidden with Christ in God. Now think about that. Our lives are hidden with Christ. So we are, if we are uh, in relationship with Christ, we're a father of Christ, we have been indwelt by the Spirit of Christ. Our lives are hidden in Him, in God. And where is Christ? He is in the heavenly realms, sitting at the right hand of God the Father, according to the Scriptures. Ephesians two six says, He has raised us up and seated us with Christ in heaven. Nothing about that for a second. So that and it's past tense. He says, He raised us, past tense, seated us past tense, with him in heaven. So here's my question. What if we arrive in eternity to realize that we've always been there? (laughs) Okay? What if we arrive? Because we always think of the construct, we always think of things in sense of time. And so Which one of us haven't gone to a funeral of a loved one, a parent or grandparent or a sibling, and, and said, someday I will be with them in heaven? What if we get to heaven and realize that we've always been there with them, and they have always been there with us because in eternity there is no time? Whoa, what are you talking about? I mean, we are pushing more and more into an understanding that that in the fabric of creation, there's so much more than we can even fathom. Think about, uh, if you've seen the movie uh, Interstellar, uh, like that, where we kind of push into the fact that there are parallel dimensions and things are happening in different dimensions. In fact, science now says that they've identified, uh, I think, 11 different dimensions. And it's easy if you want to go down the path of um, that the institutional church has gone down through most of history to say, no, 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 that can't be, you know, uh, the earth is flat. I have of an understanding that, you know, science and theology go together, that as science pushes into the realities of creation, it just expands and enhances and layers my faith with all sorts of new meaning. So get this, uh, go out to uh, YouTube and search for uh, the double slit experiment. <laughs> I know it sounds vulgar, but that's what it's called, the double slit I- experiment. And basically, physics has come to understand there's this mystery that, that no one can explain. And that is that matter behaves differently when it's being observed. Let me say that again. Matter behaves differently when it's being observed. So the very fact that we are looking at something and observing something changes the way that matter behaves. I mean, that's just, that blows my mind. In other words, God's creation works differently if or if it isn't being observed by somebody else. Uh, so the, the, the old... Uh, you know, Zen question, if a tree falls in the middle of a forest and there's nobody there to hear it, does it make any sound? Well, it's kind of the same thing. If matter is out there and it isn't being observed, does it behave the same way? And we know from this double slit experience that no, it does not, and it blows my mind. Um, Google or go to YouTube and search for quantum entanglement and spooky entanglement at a distance. And what this physics experiment shows is that one something that happens in one place in the universe can affect what happens in another place in the universe. Again, blows my mind. Again, this doesn't reduce my faith. It actually expands it because it makes me realize that God is exactly what the Bible says He is. He does exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. He is so far beyond. And so I don't find... Competition with our friends in science, I actually I, I i find it fascinating. I want to understand how this universe works because it is the result of a creator who and mystery of mysteries again, what does father Ror say? Mystery is not something we can't understand; it is something that we endlessly understand, so I want to continue to push into the mystery and understand uh, time and how it works. And I don't understand it at all, sometimes how it works. But this is what I've known from this journey. So this poor wayfaring stranger, as I've been walking through this journey, I know that there's a flow and that there is a time and purpose to things. Just like the teacher in Ecclesiastes said, there's a season for certain things. There's a timing of certain things. And if I am in the flow then things tend to happen just as they're supposed to happen. If I am not in the flow, then I can get things totally bungled up in my own life. And so there's a stepping back and understanding what's happening. And I think that that's why Jesus was constantly in his own journey. What was he doing? He was stepping out of the actions of every day, going off to a mountainside to pray Being by himself, being with his disciples, I think that he was spending lots of time in quiet, in contemplation, and in prayer, and conversation with the Father, because he was trying to continue to stay in the flow And he knew what was going to happen. And in fact, if you read through the four biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, also known as the Gospels, if you read through them, one of the things that you realize is that Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen to him. And in fact, I would argue that Jesus actually pushed the buttons that forced his enemy's hands to kill him. He even told his disciples what was going to happen. Now, it was sort of mysterious in the way that he always said it to them. He said, just as Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man is going to be in the earth for three days and three nights. Um, he said, I am going to destroy this temple, and in three days I'm going to build it back up again. What was he meaning by that? Again, I'm going to die, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to go into the grave, and then when I come back from the grave, guess what? Everything changes. And at that time in this new season, the temple is not a temple made by hands, but what? The temple is all of the human beings in whom I am going to dwell. We are one with him. He is one with us. So we are, our lives are hidden with Christ in heaven at the same time that we're living out this earthly existence and walking our journey on the earth. It's kind of a, uh, yeah, it kind of uh, blows your mind, doesn't it? To think about some of those things. But here's the thing. The Bible also says that we are blessed in the, in the heavenly places. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing that is in Christ. In other words, we have access to every blessing. We have access to, to, to all that Christ has to afford us. It's, it's all, in fact, we already have it. It's in Heaven, it's in level four in that dimension. And our job is to tap into that and try and bring that into our journey and into our our lives on level one, into our relationships on level two, and to change the way that we interact with the world on level three in such a way that we are bringing what your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the way it's supposed to work for me. In order to, for me to. To channel that in my daily life in each moment. Because what does the Bible say? Our our days are numbered. The hairs of our head are numbered. There's a uh, there's some kind of mysterious plan to all of this. So my job is to try and to tap into the flow of what God has already ordained into the flow of this great story that is already happening, to try and be present in the moment, no matter what the season, because sometimes, what does Ecclesiastes say? Sometimes there is a time to mourn. There's going to be a season for mourning. There's going to be a season for dancing and celebration. There's going to be a season in which we, we just kind of plant things. Even though we'd love to be harvesting the fruit of it, we're just, we're sowing seeds and we're planting, but there will come a time when we then are able to harvest. It'll be a different season. Uh, There's a time to be silent and just to keep your mouth shut and let be what is going to be. And then there is going to be a time when you have to open your mouth and speak out and you know it, it's the right time. And I, it's like a fire shut up in my bones. I can't keep quiet. But if I am not walking with Christ, if I am not walking in the Spirit and trying at every moment seeking, what is the time? And to be present in that moment, if I'm not in that flow, then things don't all come together. So back to the whole idea of humble yourself under the hand of God and at due time He will raise you up. You know, I think that there's a Humility that comes in the same way that Jesus humbled himself. Philippians chapter 2 says he humbled himself, even taking on that posture of a servant, coming from level 4 down to us on level 1, emptying himself that he could come and be one of us and walk with us and die and suffer like one of us, to be hungry like one of us, to understand weariness like one of us, to understand the time. Because guess what? He didn't become a rabbi until he was 30. Why? Because that was the age at that time in Jewish law that that a man could not become a rabbi, could not become a teacher until he's 30. So Jesus is humbling himself. The Son of God humbles himself to fit within the paradigm of of the Jewish institution uh, and the Jewish culture and so there's this piece at which he is being humble and following the rules. But then he takes and he breaks the rules and tries to get them down to the spiritual essence from which God intended their motivation of those rules. Um, all right. So another big concept. And I've been playing around with this for a long time. Um, the idea is this. I find that creation is layered, and that those layers, you can see the same themes, you can see the same motifs in different layers of creation. So, for example, we live in a solar system. What happens when well, we live in this little globe, and the, and the moon moves around the earth, and the earth and the moon move around the sun, and the sun and our galaxy move around, uh, and And so there's this theme. So then you go to your science class and you learn that what matter atoms are like these little solar systems of uh, (laughs) uh, protons and neutrons and they spin around each other like this little solar system. And so I think that there, there are ways in which creation is layered and that God replicates things in different ways. So my thought has always been, and I had this understanding since I was a, a young believer, and it's kind of grown over the course of my life journey. But the idea is this, that, that, the, that the, the great story of humanity from Genesis to Revelation is like a life cycle. So our lives have a life cycle. We are born into this earthly journey, and then at some point we are going to die. Everything has this life cycle. It's born, it's created, and then it dies. So I've always thought of history as one big life cycle. So think, follow me along here. So in the infancy, back in the days of cavemen and things are brutal and nobody knows anything and there's just a a small number of humans populating the earth, it is like the infancy don't know much, not even aware of much, just surviving. And isn't that like a little baby who can't take care of themselves? The little baby, all it knows is instinctually how to survive by getting milk from a mother's breast and trying to protect itself. And then we get into uh, the, the toddler stage. And when I think about the Mosaic Law, when I think about the point in time when Moses is given the law and says, okay, here are the rules for living. Do this, you'll be blessed. Uh, don't do this, you'll be cursed. Uh, black and white, here are the rules. These are the standards. Make sure you wash your hands. Make sure you do this. And isn't that like a little child, like a toddler and young child that we have to say, look, you don't understand. So I'm going to give you some very clear black and white rules. Do what mom and dad say. Don't touch the burner. And you'll be safe if you don't do what we say, your hand's going to get burned and you're going to suffer. Uh, go to bed when we tell you. And if you're a good kid and you obey, then there's a blessings uh, to be showered upon you. And if you're a bad kid and you don't obey the rules, then there's going to be punishment. And that's exactly what kind of the Mosaic Law was. And even at that point in time where society and culture in and of itself was struggling to survive – a lot of the rules, even if you read through the book of Leviticus, was intended for the safety and health and protection of the cultural system, that people would be healthy, not sick, that people would um, – that relationships would be healthy, that families would be healthy. The rules were intended to kind of teach these sort of black and white things. So then we move on. And isn't it funny that we get into the period of the kings where the people say, hey, I'm looking around at everybody, all these nations around us, and they've all got this king. And we're talking about 1 Samuel, if you want to read about it. And they say, hey, we want to have a king. And God says, no, 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 you don't really want to do that. Uh, there's a lot that's going to come along with it, and you're not going to like it. No, 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 we want this. We want this. And so God relents. And is that not like a... A growing child who all of a sudden says, no, I want what everybody else has. I want that latest uh, PS uh, console. I want the music that everybody's listening to. I want the clothes that everybody else is going to wear. I want, and it's almost like this child and God's saying, you know, you really don't want that. Yes, we do. And so you get into that little bit of pushing against the boundaries and the rebellion. So that happens. And then we get to we get to the cross of Christ, and I feel like it's a um, it's almost like that moment of accountability when a young person and I there's not a set time, but I think it's different for every human being. Where all of a sudden, you know what? I am old enough to understand and be responsible for my own choices and actions, and I really believe that that's what happened when Christ came. It was sort of this like age of accountability for humanity. And what Christ was really saying was, look, you've heard the rule. Don't do this. Don't do that. That's what the Mosaic law gave you. But I say, and when he was doing that, he was basically like a parent telling a child, look, there is a reason behind the rules that we gave you. I've taught you to go to bed a decent time and get a good night's rest because it's going to serve you well and you need rest in order to function well in life. Now, the key is not, oh, you have to go to bed at 830 or you have to go to bed at nine o'clock or whatever the case may be. The key is rest, however you find that. And what Jesus was trying to get us to do was not look at the letter of the law like we're some toddler that has to be given these these rules for uh, every little thing in life. He was trying to teach us to grow up and understand the, the the spirit, the heart, the God motivation of those rules. It was about the spirit of the law and following the law of love that he was trying to get us to. And he's like, if you follow, if you if you get to the spirit of it and you try and act out of love, then all the other stuff takes care of itself. Because if I'm going to love my wife, then I need to be healthy for her. And if I'm going to be there and be healthy and provide for my family, then I'm going to take care of myself. And I don't need somebody to give me all these rules about rest and diet and exercise and all of these things. Because out of the motivation of loving the people who depend on me well, I am naturally going to do those things. I think that's what Jesus was getting at. And then we get into, then, the, you know, the institutional, uh, age of Christendom from about 312, uh, A.D., uh, through the next several centuries. And what happens? We go back to this idea of power, just like a young person who now is free to make their own choices and goes to college and is free to choose and what we're gonna do, or we just get out and we start our careers or what? I am gonna get everything for myself. All those rules and regulations that I had before, I am done with those men. I'm gonna do it my own way. I'm gonna uh find my own way in this world. And humanity kind of went down this road of power and subjugation in Western civilization, even even though there were really good things that came out of that, it was a period where we were really, where humanity was really trying to figure out how do we deal with this power and freedom that Christ brought to the table. We always think about well, time, what's going to happen? I find it fascinating that we, there's something in us that wants to constantly think apocalyptically, that everything is doom and gloom. There's something in our humanity that we want to look at, the, that the pessimism, even today, we are given to negative, pessimistic, the world is going to hell kind of thinking. When the reality is, the world has continued to get better and better and better and better, Dr. Hans Rosling. Uh, look the book up Factfulness. Factfulness. Uh, Hans Rosling, Swedish doctor, and he chronicles from research that we are living in a time where there is less poverty, there is less sickness, there is more education, there is more wealth, there is more health. Things are better today than they ever have been in the history of humanity. But what happens? We continue to push a message of fear and disaster and apocalypse. And I think that we we need to kind of really sit back and think about those things. And it's not to say that there aren't things that need to to get better. And it's not to say that we've arrived because we haven't. There are still all sorts of things that have to improve. But notice this. So if you you don't hear anything else in my my podcast today, hear this. News organizations, no matter who you listen to, uh, no matter what channel or website or syndication you listen to, They exist to make money. And in order to make money, they have to have advertisers. And the more listeners they have, the more viewers they have, the more clicks they generate, the more advertising dollars they can charge. And so news organizations and media organizations are constantly trying to get you to come back and to click more and to view more and to listen more so that they can charge more money for advertising so that they can make more money themselves. They inherently want to keep you listening, viewing, clicking. It is something in human nature that we react to fear. If we're afraid of something, we act. So when politicians get up, and I don't care what either side of the aisle, we give to fear. Uh, we preach fear, fear of the other, fear of the other side, fear of what's going to happen, fear of apocalypse, fear of catastrophe, fear of bankruptcy, fear of this, fear of that. It is fear, 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 fear. And I follow Jesus who said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. This world has all sorts of trouble. But don't be afraid. I leave you with peace. As a follower of Jesus, I'm not supposed to be afraid. I'm not supposed to be afraid of what could happen to my body. I'm not supposed to be afraid. I'm supposed to believe that things are moving in this great story towards a conclusion that has already been authored. That I exist already in Christ in eternity and I, my life journey, my earthly journey needs to reflect a level four understanding. My, my journey through this life, my relationships and how I respond to it and react to others is supposed to be informed by the reality that I exist with Christ in heavenly places. That every spiritual blessing in Christ is mine in eternity. And I exist in eternity right now with Christ. My citizenship is in heaven. And I'm not just living this life in order to uh, get some fire insurance and go someplace else. I am living this life because what Jesus said is, your kingdom come to this earth, your will be done on this earth just as it is in heaven. I'm in this journey to live out the will of Christ in my life. I am here to live out the purpose for which I am here. And what's that purpose? Well, that's the mystery that I'm constantly seeking every day, every hour, every breath, every morning when I get up and write my blog post, every time I get up to give a message, every time I sit down to do a podcast. So yeah, where are you at in this life, my friend? I hope wherever the time and season finds you, you are well. And let me leave you today with this blessing. May the road rise up to meet you. May the wind always be at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face and may the rains fall soft upon your fields. Until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand.